and welcome to the Horrible Things Podcast. This is a true crime and disaster podcast where we talk about all things horrible, whether it be murder cases, whether it be man-made disasters, all things horrible, as is implied by the name of this podcast. I am your host, Emma Sexton, and today I am joined by Tiffany Dennis. Tiffany, I'm so happy to have you here. I'm so happy to be here. So this is Tiffany's first time on the podcast and also coincidentally is the 25th episode of the podcast. So yay. We are we're celebrating. This is a quarter of the way to 100. (laughs) And it's just crazy. We've been doing the podcast for like six months now. And it has grown like so much more than I would ever have expected it to. And I just really appreciate everyone who listens to it. And thank you guys so, so much for just you know, spreading it and making this podcast something that I am very, very proud of. But um, since this is Tiffany's first time on the podcast, as many of you might know, we always ask the same question to our first time guests, which is how involved are you in true crime? What do you know about it? Do you like watch documentaries or listen to podcasts or how did you first get involved in it if you are at all? Or do you just know absolutely nothing at all about true crime? Um. Well, I'd say I know a little bit. I'm not, like, an expert or anything, but I mean, like, the most I've really done is watch, like, a few, like, documentaries and seeing, like, a few, like, Netflix series kind of stuff on, like, Ted Bundy and stuff like that. But, like, I'd say I'm uh, very amateur when it comes to this. Yeah. When did you first start paying attention to true crime-related things? Well, I wouldn't say there's a specific time. I guess it's just sort of... If I hear about it, like, like I used to watch like Criminal Minds and stuff like that, and I would see that some cases were based on true events and stuff, and I find it kind of interesting, and I'd sort of look into that, and I think it's, I think it's like really creepily interesting, if that yeah. even like makes any sense, but like, that's all I pretty much know about it, and uh, that's kind of just how I got started. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would say it's kind of a similar thing for me. I grew up watching like criminal minds my parents watched law and order so i was always kind of seeing that sort of thing on the tv since we really only had like one tv in our house and it was kind of whatever was on a lot of the times it would like i grew up watching this show called castle which was this murder mystery show and other shows like that because it was just what was on you know but back before the days of netflix (laughs) but um yeah i i think it's really interesting how a lot of people have started to get a lot more interested in true crime as the streaming platforms have gained a lot more momentum because it feels like now that this is like true crime and documentaries on true crime are like one of the most popular genres of things that people watch on Netflix. Mm -hmm. So I feel like because that stuff is promoted and like front and center and almost everyone has Netflix or some streaming service that has probably promoted a true crime documentary or something like that, it just has like become a more prominent thing to a lot of people like it's much more noticeable than it was before where on cable you wouldn't really have like that many true crime documentaries or things that were frequently aired and watched Mm -hmm. it's just I feel like in the recent years because of streaming services it's become a more popular thing because now it's like much more available to people yeah I definitely like agree with that I'd say like when I was younger, the only thing I would ever catch on TV is sort of like Criminal Minds, like you said, and um, Forensic Files. I noticed that was yeah. on a lot. And that was sort of kind of like my, I guess, my first like introduction to like what this whole like horrible things kind of thing is. Yeah. But like definitely as Netflix has like come out and gained more popularity, I'd say like definitely true crime has been 
a huge factor in the Netflix, like, what do you call series or whatever? Yeah. Like, especially when that, uh, what is that? The Ted Bundy tapes? Yeah, yeah. yeah with, um, that, what was the thing with Zac Efron? Oh, yeah. That was the um, terribly horrible whatever. It yeah. has the long, world's longest title. Yeah, I ranted and is. raved about it in the very first episode. <laughs> I was like, they need a shorter title. <laughs> I can't remember the exact name because it's so long. It's like. Yeah, I can't. I can't either. The evil, yeah. horrible, wicked something. Yeah, I'd say that's when I started noticing Netflix sort of get into that. I tend to open my Netflix and find like lots of trailers like about documentaries and stuff like that just sort of circling around like serial killers and stuff like that yeah and when I was younger honestly the only like documentary style thing that was even remotely related to true crime that I remember being really popular was all those shows that was like life in prison or like oh my gosh the women of prison <laughs> me too <laughs> dude I don't know why when I was a kid that it just shows me that like I've I guess I've always been interested in true crime because when I was a kid, I would watch Criminal Minds and then I would watch those prison shows and I would go on YouTube and look at those documentaries. Like I specifically remember this one that was um, America's Youngest Pedophiles and it was like this horrible documentary about these kids who were like 15 years old that were in juvie for pedophilia and like sexual abuse of really young kids. And I just remember like watching that documentary and being like, what the hell is this and i feel like that was kind of this one of the starters of like starting to watch more documentary style things yeah no i relate to that like definitely like as i started to watch those sort of documentary things and then especially criminal minds if i saw like a crazy episode or something i'd be like i just find it so interesting that people can think this like cruelly and stuff like that and i'm like what what causes people to think about this like at my college like i'm so interested in my psychology course like it's probably my um definitely my most interesting class that I really enjoy and it's just so so interesting that some people can just think so irregularly yeah I I don't know like the perfect word for it it's not coming to mind but it's like I just think it's super interesting that like people can think this way and some people are just not your average person you know yeah I think there is such a an attraction to seeing these horrible things like seeing what people are capable of Mm -hmm. it's very interesting from the perspective of someone who is not uh attracted to doing those things at all like most normal people aren't um Mm -hmm. it's very interesting to see like well why is this person different from me if they look the same and they can act the same and they went to college the same as i did what is the difference like what flipped the switch you know I think we're all kind of interested in the possibility that like if the right switch was flipped in us if the right event happened to us would it be possible that we could turn into monsters too I I think about that a lot because it reminds me of like have you ever heard of the Stanford prison experiment no it was like this I might even do an episode on it because it's so crazy but it's basically this experiment where they had these college kids I, I haven't researched it yet but I think it was like they had six college kids who were Uh, at Stanford, obviously, who were acting as prison guards and six who were acting as prisoners. And they were doing this social experiment to see like what would happen if people were put into these positions. And so they, the six kids who were pretending to be prisoners, like they put on the whole show, they had these other kids show up and arrest them, put them in handcuffs and in cop cars and drive them to this like makeshift room that was supposed to be a prison. They made like fake cells. They had to wear prison clothes. And like, it was exactly the same as a real prison. And the only rule was that you couldn't, like, hit the prisoners, 
but basically the uh, six students who had signed up to be the guards after like six days they were like mentally and emotionally abusing the six kids who were um the prisoners and just completely like acting like monsters and doing horrible things to these kids who were prisoners and they had to stop the experiment early because the kids who were prisoners were like at risk of having mental breakdowns because of the trauma that they were undergoing in this experiment and it's just like a really interesting thing because the whole idea of it is that if you're put in the right situation it's possible for anyone like these six normal college kids like they weren't different from anyone else they just wanted money so they signed up to be in the experiment Mm -hmm. it's like if anyone is put under the right amount of pressure in the right circumstances could you could i become this like terrible monster Mm -hmm. i think that's one of the most interesting things about it interesting yeah definitely it's like all dependent on the sort of environment you were raised in i find that's like a common a common ground um in most like backgrounds of like serial killers i don't i don't know any other examples or like I noticed, like, from the little research that I know about it, like, they were all, the majority were raised in, like, really, like, like, usually dealing with, like, abuse or just, like, being lonely and not having, like, any friends and stuff like that. And I feel like it's really the environment people that people are, like, put into and how they're raised and stuff like that. It can really impact a person. Yeah, and it's especially interesting because you think about the fact that, like, it doesn't excuse the things they've done, obviously. Like, I think we would both say that just not everyone who's raised in an abusive household turns out to be a serial killer. Oh, but oh it yeah. is. Oh, my God. Definitely. Yeah. It is interesting. The fact that, like, I some it's like what we we're talking about earlier. I sometimes wonder what if I hadn't been so lucky and I had been raised in those circumstances? Mm-hmm. Like, what would be different? It's it is that interesting bit of psychology. I always mm-hmm. say if I didn't want to be like someone in entertainment doing like live production television things like that I would totally want to be some sort of like forensic psychologist or like psychiatrist or something Mm -hmm. because it's very it's interesting to view the minds of people that you could so easily imagine yourself being if you had just been put in different circumstances Mm -hmm. because I feel very lucky like I had a very supportive family growing up never had to deal with abuse issues or anything like that but I wonder how I might have been different if I had Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, and I'm definitely definitely not saying, like, everyone, like, who's grown up in an abusive household is going to turn out, like, crazy and stuff like that. But yeah. it's just so, so strange to to see how, like, some people will take it and better themselves from it. And then some people, something will just click inside and then they'll end up going, like, insane or something. And it's just kind of, like, really interesting to me overall based on um, how people can like be raised in this household and turn out completely different from someone else who was raised in the same sort of household. Yeah. I do wonder if it maybe has something to do with like a neurological issue or Mm -hmm. something like that where, and you know, it's kind of interesting because a lot of times the word sociopath is used in like talking about people who are serial killers. I've used it a lot, but it's like some, you know, someone who lacks empathy. But recently it's kind of been talked about more in the way of it's almost like a spectrum like some people like Ted Bundy would be really high on the sociopathic spectrum you know of like not having any empathy toward people but it's actually shown that like a lot of people who either run businesses or like are CEOs they are somewhere on the sociopath spectrum because they to be able to like like do some normal jobs that we'd all consider like I'm sure 
anyone who's a CEO, we're like, oh, great, that person's successful. That's a great person. And like who managed to work and like make something of themselves. But it's kind of interesting because sometimes to do those jobs that we see as like these great things, we the people that do them end up being these people that we tend to be like, oh, sociopath, that's a really bad thing. But a lot of it's shown that like a lot of people who are CEOs tend to be higher on the sociopath spectrum than a normal person. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of interesting, too. It's like, how does your um, like what you're born with affect how you turn out like it's mm-hmm. it's very strange how much of it is nurture how much of it is nature mm-hmm. i guess is the interesting question. question yeah but definitely i bet that's a big question with everything mm-hmm. <laughs> and Psychology's biggest yeah and i just realized that even though we've talked so much about murder <laughs> we're not even talking about a murder case today ladies surprise. and gentlemen <laughs> surprise we're going back to um doing some disaster podcasting i haven't done a disaster episode since like I think the last one I did was the Sampoon department store collapse. That was a while ago. Mm. I don't think I've done it in like seven episodes. So this um, is this is returning back to we're back. one of the original <laughs> two roots of this podcast. I'm very excited. And this um, topic that we're talking about is very near and dear to my heart as a resident of California. Today, we will be talking about California's deadliest wildfire, the campfire. So, Tiffany, how much do you know about the campfire? I know absolutely nothing about the campfire. Did you ever, like, hear about it, though? Like, when it was happening? Because it happened about a year ago. It happened... It started November 8th, 2018. Oh, wait. I actually... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I definitely heard about it. I didn't know it was being called the campfire, though. Yes. So, where we're from, do you remember there were days in school when there was ash on our cars when we would come out of school that Mm -hmm. was the campfire i remember and like twitter videos going viral do you remember that that video it was like um on the the 405 people were like heading north and just like the hills were on fire yeah i'm not 100 percent sure if that was the campfire but oh i'm probably thinking of a different fire california wildfires yeah (laughs) it might it very well might have been the campfire though honestly i just remember that was like a really huge one yeah i think Mm -hmm. that i think that must have been the campfire Mm -hmm. i'm not exactly sure how far into socal it went it was mostly northern california like most of the fire took place about like eight hours away i think the one i'm thinking about happened in socal there huh. are there are a lot of fires that happen there are around. a lot yeah. like literally two weeks ago there was a fire uh, yeah. next to the getty mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and also there's currently a fire right next to griffith park which is kind of scary because on the drive back from my internship i drive right past griffith park oh no <laughs> so i'm a little dude oh, no. it, one day i was driving up to my internship and uh-huh. i could smell the fire oh my god from the getty so bad like i was driving in my car and i put it on the thing where it like recycles the air that's already in because Uh i started smelling the fire and i was like oh no 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 no." so scary yeah it was very creepy but the campfire was like a way more intense fire than pretty much anything we've seen so far this year we had the kincaid fire this year which has been like the biggest one that's happened so far um it was like pretty devastating more towards central and northern california but like a lot of people's homes got burned down it was just terrible but the campfire was the one last year that i'm pretty sure near malibu you remember hearing about how all the people near like pepperdine all their houses were getting burned down more near um i think i do yeah i do remember hearing stuff about that yeah i'm pretty sure that was also the campfire so this fire was huge like absolutely gigantic and i'm fairly certain yeah it was huge wow but um, like the ash that was raining down on our cars, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that was from the wind blowing the ash onto. Oh my gosh! Like that's down so crazy. here, yeah. Wow. 
Let's it was hear more ridiculous. about it, this campfire. Yes, let's hear more about it. Mm-hmm. So like I said, the campfire is the deadliest fire that has ever happened in California's entire history. And part of the reason for this, I kind of wanted to talk about this up at the top, is because because of climate change, there is like a new norm for fire season in California. So we have typically been getting less water throughout the years. Like we get longer drought seasons and um, fire season has, because of that, it lasts longer and the fires are a lot more intense than they were even like 10 years ago because it's hotter, less rainfall. Mm, Way Uh, drier. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. so, it's easier for things to catch on fire. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, there's this new kind of fire that's starting to form where it's like now the precautions that people would take and like these fire safety standards we've had for a long time don't work really anymore because of this new type of fire that we experience. And because the fire season lasts so long, it's we just don't have the resources like set up and in place to be able to deal with the new fire season that California experiences now. Mm-hmm. And also like there's things that the fire department doesn't expect, like the fact that bec- the winds come in differently and because fire season is lasting so much longer, like different winds are able to pick up these fires. And like we'll see in the campfire, one of the main reasons it was able to spread so far and so fast was because the wind was pushing it horizontally through the trees instead of up and away. Yeah. So it's like everything was just getting burned because it was this combination of fire and wind and mm. not being prepared for any of that that led to this gigantic fire oh my gosh that's so crazy to hear about and this is like the new type of fire you're speaking of like the the whole like winds interfering with it is that what you mean yeah it's partially winds interfering with it but it's also just it's able to these winds wouldn't usually interfere with fire season because we'd get rainfall oh yeah before so things would be wet so the fire wouldn't be able to burn as much stuff but now we're getting less it's rainfall and really we're getting dry. it later in the year. So mm-hmm. everything is like bone dry. So it's way easier for a spark happens. Uh, any of the brush around can catch fire and then the wind pushes it and nothing has been watered in like eight months. So everything oh, can yeah. just catch on fire. You know? Yeah. Oh, my God. That sounds terrible. Yeah, it's absolutely wow. terrifying. And if you've seen any of the footage from this fire, which I'm sure you did on Twitter and things mm-hmm. like that, it was going around. It is just one of the most disturbing sec- – it literally looks like hell. Mm-hmm. Like, it looks like an actual hell if you look it at those videos. Does. Just fire everywhere. Yeah. Everything is black, and the only, like, thing you can see is just this bright orange fire. It's terrifying. Oh God, right. The sky is black at, like, 12 o'clock. And it's yeah. It's crazy. So let's talk about the beginnings of this fire. I'm going to okay. kind of go through it in chronological order. Okay. So on November 8th uh, – it was early in the morning that there was a red flag warning issued for the fact that there was severe possibilities of fire. There was a fire warning that went out all through um, Butte County, which is this county kind of in Northern California. It's about eight hours away from uh, where we are in SoCal in Orange County. Mm-hmm. And so there's a severe fire warning issued all around this area. And less than like 30 minutes after this warning is issued, the campfire actually begins off this road called Camp Creek Road, which is near, uh, there's this town called Concow, which is like right next to the Sierra Nevada mountains. And it's like next to this giant canyon. And in this road called Camp Creek Road, um, a power line falls 
to the ground and sparks on this day that there's a severe power like don't do anything don't light a flame 30 minutes after yeah that's and this power line drops and sparks and this brush fryer starts it doesn't it's just this small little brush fryer Mm -hmm. and the controversial thing about how this fire started is because have you heard of pg&e no what is so it's pacific gas and electric it's like the biggest power company in california okay they're the ones who recently they've been shutting off the power in certain places on day that there's red flag warnings for Uh fires because of the campfire yeah so oh so that was all like issued after the campfire actually happened yes oh because because of this Mm -hmm. but the kind of controversial thing about it is that pg&e knew on that day that this particular power line had been sparking they knew it was out of service and it just wasn't working very well and they still did nothing kept the power on even though they knew that it was sparking and not to mention that when uh when officials you know from california went through and after the campfire obviously and checked out most of pg&e's towers and lines they found that most of the powers and lines in the northern california area in butte county and honestly all over california were close to 100 years old without any service oh no yeah because there's no set standard for when you're supposed to relate uh like replace these power lines and towers mm-hmm. so their their motto kind of was just well let it run until it breaks and then replace it but that led to the gear becoming faulty and yeah. sparking more often because of the fact that these things need to be replaced pretty frequently to prevent that sparking uh-huh. you can't just let them run until it breaks because yeah. you're gonna have other problems along the way so it's this like terrible maintenance on these power lines that actually sparks this giant brush fryer that starts off camp creek road wow and they they did they did something about that now uh not really oh my god they haven't replaced the the biggest thing they've done is start turning off the power i mean that's a start but still like leaving 100 year old power lines up all across california that's like what are they thinking it's just controversial because I I read this story like I was all for them turning off the power lines and stuff uh-huh. and I was like yes that's a good idea but then I read the story about this guy who's like I have to travel like five hours to charge my sister's wheelchair batteries and things like that like what? it's like people need power uh-huh think Wait, about so- cooking food for your family yeah like if you're in a in a lower income like place or you're in poverty it's a lot less expensive to cook something for your family rather than like go out every single night while the power mm. is turned off so it's like what are those people supposed to do when they can't turn the gas on oh, God. you know what i mean yeah. like just replace your stuff i know it's expensive but it's going to be less expensive than the lawsuits that are going to come against you if another mm. fire happens like just replace your stuff pg e mm. i know it's expensive but they've are they face i'll tell you at the end how much money they face in a lawsuit because of this case and it's like just replace it do us all a favor that money could have gone towards replacing it but yeah but here we are now Mm -hmm. we're just turning people's power off and it's like and having them suffer drive five hours to charge a wheelchair battery yeah that sucks i know so basically i told you there were philosophy about replacement that was so ridiculous it makes me so mad (laughs) so anyway someone who was actually working for pg&e first um called butte county cal fire and they were like uh hey there's a fire that just happened because we had a power line spark 
And so around 6.45 a.m., uh, there's a firefighter whose name is Captain Matt McKenzie, and he, like, sees the fire happening. But mm. there's, at this point, he, like, radios in and he's like, hey, there is potential here that this fire could be a major fire, that something really, really bad could happen here. So they go to send more firefighters on their way to actually get to this fire. But when they actually look at the terrain surrounding this this brush fire they find that the service road that goes up to camp creek road is too small and dangerous to support a fire truck so at this point there's no way of actually getting firefighters up to the fire with things that they could use to put it out and because the winds were so harsh they couldn't fly in with helicopters they there's so there's literally no way that anyone can get to this fire which is another big maintenance problem because you can't have a faulty power line that PG&E knows is faulty with super dry brush underneath it and a service road that can't support fire mm-hmm. trucks. Mm-hmm. That is a mess. That's a bad situation. And so they can't fly any airplanes over it to drop the um, like things that will suffocate the fire. Mm-hmm. They can't get a truck up to it. So right now they're just kind of sitting and watching this fire start to just make its way. Make it spread. Yeah. That sucks. So they just have to watch it now. They're, yeah, they're just watching nothing it. nothing they can do. And they're like, at first, they're like, okay, it has the potential to be a major incident, but nothing has happened so far. So they're just kind of watching it and waiting at this point, seeing what's going to happen. And uh, But the thing is, no one was expecting this fire to grow as quickly as it did. So just to give you a little layout of the area where this mostly happened. So there's Concow, which is this little town near the Sierra of Nevadas. And then there's this big canyon that's um, on one side of Concow. And on the other side of that canyon, there's this town called Paradise. It's a really small town. It only had something like 30,000 citizens, I think. When this fire erupted, most of the people that live there retired. It's not really a hub for anything mm-hmm. um, in particular. Like people that live there and work go to other towns usually to work. Mm-hmm. It's just a super small town in the foothills of the Sierra Nevadas. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of like not super wary of it at this point because usually, I mean, there's a lot of wildfires that break up, break out up there. So they weren't really concerned about it crossing the canyon because usually fires there don't really cross the entire canyon and get over to paradise. Like that is just not something that usually happens. So the fire, like I said, the fire had started at 6.30, and by 6.50, the campfire had already burned 10 acres of land. Oh, my God. Yeah. 20 then, minutes. Yeah, and then after that, they report that a second um, ignition site had possibly started, and that was, like, 10 minutes later. They're like, oh. hey, there might have been another spark, another oh no. possible ignition point of this fire, and it's now, it's growing. Do they know how the second one, the, the second spark happened? Was another like they power weren't, line or anything? No, they weren't exactly sure. It wasn't like mm-hmm. the other one where they had a clear mm-hmm. point of beginning. Yeah. So, like I said, at seven fifteen, uh, at seven they're like, okay, this thing is growing, and we have a second ignition point. At seven fifteen, uh, the firefighters still can't get over the dam that was near Camp Creek Road, and no one in the air can get to this fire because the winds are so dangerous. But the terrible thing about that is that the winds were too dangerous to fly any helicopters but because the winds were so strong and dangerous it was making this fire spread Spread like twice as fast Mm -hmm. as a normal fire would spread Mm -hmm. so they had to just let it burn 
you know they had oh they couldn't God. still at 7 15 30 minutes this fire has been burning oh they still no. can't do anything about it so the butte county sheriff he starts to evacuate um this town called polga which is like near Concow, uh and then Concow starts burning like at 7 35 a.m Concow's buildings are starting to burn down mm -hmm. and across the canyon like i said there's paradise and so they're still not concerned because they think okay it's in Concow right now there's no way it's going to cross the canyon but the fire is moving so incredibly fast that at this time people are in paradise are starting to see the smoke coming up all the way from Concow because the fire is starting to cross the canyon so people in paradise are calling 911 and saying, hey, I see a fire. I'm here to report a fire. Is there is it coming to paradise? And so the 911 dispatchers in paradise call Cal Fire and they say, hey, we can see this fire. Do we need to evacuate? And Cal Fire says, no, don't worry about it. It's oh, in Concow. No. It's all the way in Concow. You don't have to worry about it. <sighs> So the 911 dispatchers hang up and for the next like 45 minutes, they continue to tell all these people who are calling, do we need to, and saying, do we need to evacuate? No, you're safe where you are. They said it's still in Concow. It's not coming to paradise. So these, these people are just being told over and over again, like, don't like worry about fine. it. Nothing is, yeah, nothing is wrong. And then at 745, 750-ish, mm -hmm. the 911 dispatchers call Cal Fire again uh, because they're like, are you sure we don't need to evacuate? And the the um, fire captain in Paradise had already sent out an alert saying, we're going to evacuate the eastern part of the city, like without Kyle Fire telling them anything. Mm -hmm. He just said that it's time for an evacuation. So then the 911 dispatchers, again, like 45 minutes later, after people had begun to call, they call Cal Fire again and say, are you sure? Because this fire looks really close. We can see it. Like it is glowing. We can see the orange coming up from the trees mm -hmm. are you sure we don't need to evacuate and then they start saying yes yeah, start evacuating people Cal Fire tells when them. it's literally like at their footstep when it's at doorstep. their front door yeah oh my and God. so then the 911 dispatchers have to live with the fact that all these people had called them like oh no. they'd received like hundreds of calls basically over the morning and they'd told many many people no don't worry about it everything is fine Oh my god. Well, I mean, it's literally it's not their fault. It's all no, Cal Fire's fault for like not. saying no, you're fine. Like it's literally not even the 911 It's all PG&E's fault, fault for not replacing yeah, their Yeah, it's all their fault. So, yeah, so there's just all these people who are sitting there thinking, "Oh, well, I was told I don't need to evacuate. I was told it's all the way in Concow, but the fire is starting to like be at their front door." Mm -hmm. And by the time they know, "Okay, we need to evacuate. Like we need to start getting people out of this town. It is here." Like, it's too late. The fire is already there. And this fire is spreading at about one acre per second. Oh, my like, God. Like, this fire is huge. It is a huge fire. It's spreading super rapidly. And the other problem was in Paradise that they had, um like, this text alert emergency thing where you could text, like, you could sign up to get this text message and then they would t send you an emergency alert. Mm -hmm. But the problem was it was a sign up thing. A lot of people didn't have it. And like oh. I said, a lot of people who lived there were retired. Uh -huh. So they didn't necessarily, like you know, like have it. Stuff like that, yeah. yeah, exactly. So because of that, like a lot of people in paradise didn't even get an emergency alert saying they needed to evacuate. Oh, no. You know what I mean? So like no one is telling these people that they have to leave. 
That sucks so much. And another crazy thing is that they had the option to use this evacuation alert that would send a text message to everyone in paradise, but for some reason they didn't use it. Why? No idea. They just didn't use it. Wait, so how would they how would they contact everyone? They used the voluntary sign up thing. Oh, the volu- and they still didn't they yeah. still didn't send it out through the voluntary sign. No, they did, but they had uh-huh. another option that would send it to everyone regardless of whether they signed up for the thing and they just didn't. Oh. Yeah, it's super weird. Yeah. Because that was in a there's this great PBS documentary about the campfire that uh-huh. I love, but that's one of the parts in it where they're like they're talking about it and they're like, "Oh yeah, and by the way, they had the option to send this text to everyone." And I was like, "What?" Oh my god. Why? And no one Literally, knows why, why they didn't. No. It wasn't even brought up again in the documentary. I'm like, I want to know who's Oh, they're just like, that "Oh, like they could have sent this morning, but yeah. it's no big deal." No, it was super wow. weird. But um basically by by 8 p.m. 8 p.m. <laughs> by 8 a.m. Uh-huh. this campfire is in paradise literally an hour and a half it spread all the way over to the canyon How many all the way over the canyon um do you know? i don't know the exact number it is from concow to paradise but i do know that in the very first three hours that this fire burned it burned five thousand acres wow yeah in three hours in three hours that's so crazy it's ridiculous so the campfire at 8 a.m. is in paradise. And like I said, there's these high winds and dry weather that's causing this fire to blow mm, through very so quickly. quickly. Yeah. So it's burning super, super fast. No one had time. By the time you knew, if you had no idea, by the time someone called you to say, hey, there's a fire in paradise, people would go outside now. and the fire's in their backyard. Oh, my God. So people were literally just like trying to evacuate everything people are just grabbing hand like there's no time people are literally grabbing handfuls of clothes getting in their cars and starting to try to get out like people are evacuating there's kids still at school like people have to start evacuating kids at schools there's people in mobile homes who are like at the very start of where the fire was like people in those mobile homes died because they didn't have enough like they didn't have any warning that anything was coming so it's just like ridiculous basically Mm -hmm. they're they're starting to be like okay we need to get out of here so at like 805 uh the butte county sheriff he tweets out an evacuate an evacuation order for the eastern side of paradise as well as this one road called pence road um and that's basically saying like okay half the town start getting out right now which is still kind of ridiculous to me because they should have known at that point okay this fire is blowing ridiculously really fast bad. like why not evacuate the entire let's city? get everyone out of here yeah i'll talk a little bit more about why their emergency system was so like strangely bad because okay, yeah, i want to hear but about um it's just like not going great uh-huh. and then all the way back in concow there's this like there's fallen trees and debris that are bought are blocking the main escape route to get out of Concow. So literally, like, people can't leave. And on this um, road, this Hoffman Road is what it was called, that was the main route out of Concow, eight people died as the fire went over that road because they couldn't get out because of fallen trees and debris. So they were just trapped there. They were trapped. Oh, my God. And a lot of people uh, in Paradise and Concow talked about the fact that when they're sitting in their cars... Whenever the fire, the fire was so hot that whenever it would get remotely close to their car, they could feel their arm hairs singeing off Ugh. while they're sitting in their cars. Is that strong? Yeah, it was wow. so incredibly hot. And so at eight fifteen in Paradise, they start 
to see, okay, we have another huge problem. Uh, the fire oh is God. at the hospital. Ugh. The fire is now at the hospital. So the staff, with almost no warning start like from anyone, they just start to evacuate all the patients. And by the time they get all the patients out of the hospital, the fire is just burning all around it. Like, oh I've seen God. video of it. The sky is just black. There's ashes and embers literally raining from the sky, like glowing embers coming out of the sky. And doctors and nurses were literally grabbing patients and putting them in their personal cars when they didn't have any more evacuation vehicles or like police cars to take them. Literally, like there were just heroes, nurses and doctors Uh who went out of their way to stay behind and make sure that every single patient was evacuated from the hospital. And they did. It's not fair for them at all. No, not at all. But it's like people literally, it wasn't this organized thing. Like Paradise had a pretty um, developed evacuation system and fire safety system that they had in place. Like they have this giant safety binder that was like all this, all these plans for if a fire ever came to Paradise, what would happen? But it it wasn't (laughs) like, here's the problem. So Uh like I said, 40 minutes after the, fire gets paradise uh the sheriff starts saying okay let's evacuate zones two six seven thirteen whatever because here's how their evacuation system worked so paradise they had planned very heavily for a fire to happen however they had not planned for this new type of fire that's happened like that's happening because of climate change or for how fast this fire would move so the way they had their evacuation system set up is that the town was set into zones so they would evacuate in zones like okay zones one two and three leave now zones four five six leave now Mm -hmm. and their roads were pretty much only two lane highways that went in and out of the town so the reason they would evacuate in zones is because there was no traffic there was no traffic people could get out however when this fire blew in they basically said okay everyone get out everyone get out right now eastern half got gets it 20 20 seconds 20 minutes later everyone else in the town pretty much is told okay get out now evacuate as fast as you can oh my god but when you think about everyone in the town trying to leave instead of these 13 zones they had basically they had 30,000 people set split into 13 but then when you have 30,000 people, not even that, because a lot of people actually stayed in their homes. Um, and that was a lot of the fatalities that happened. But when you think about all these people who are trying to leave paradise all at once, the roads got blocked. Like, no one could get out. People were sitting in their cars, like, seeing this fire rage around them. A lot of people completely abandoned their cars and just started running. Like, they're literally running from a fire. This giant fire. And my mom even told me, I was telling her that I was going to do like this whole case. And um, she told me about this guy at her work was telling her that his family is from Paradise. And when they were in their car trying to get out, they realized that the traffic was just not going to permit them to leave. So they got out of their car and they were running and every now and then they would have to switch directions because the fire would like pop up in another place and they're just oh. running like zigzagging until they finally like got out they were okay wow. but a, a lot of people weren't that yeah. literally that sounds like something out of like a movie like yeah. an apocalyptic movie like some sort of a terrible nightmare yeah yeah that's so terrible that people had to go through that 
Yeah. So like I said, they didn't have any plan for a full scale evacuation. Mm -hmm. And this fire was not a normal fire. Like I said, it was it burned 5000 acres in the first three miles. No one was in the first three hours. No one was prepared for that. No one. Cal Fire wasn't prepared for it. Paradise wasn't prepared for it. No one was prepared for it. So basically, after they see what's happening to Paradise, um, they evacuate like 10 towns all in the area. Uh, Sterling City, Oroville, um, Polga, Butte Creek Canyon, like all these towns are just getting completely evacuated. And that's mm-hmm. at like 920. So it's been like barely three hours. Like three hours yeah. yeah. So all these towns start to get evacuated and in paradise like i said people were abandoning their cars on the skyway because there's this intense gridlock like there's just so much gridlock that some people one of the main ways out of paradise was to go over the ridge which is like this um basically this big hill it was like to go over the ridge and then you were out but some people waited on the ridge to get out of paradise with all this fire burning around them for five hours they would in their car and people there's videos of people like online it's heartbreaking but there's videos these parents like taking videos and trying to tell their kids like it's gonna be okay it's gonna be okay but they're just sitting there like there's nothing they can do other than get out of their car and like i don't know if i would be able to get out of my car like Uh i just don't think i i would have that strength to Mm -hmm. get out of my car i'd be so terrified exactly so too yeah so um people are stuck on the ridge like people can't get out um, there is this great story, though, that I saw in that PBS documentary about this woman talk- who was actually the head of the hospital who got everyone evacuated. And she talks about how she's she had gotten out of her car and she was calling her husband, who's in a different town, and telling him, like, I think I'm going to die. And she's running, oh, no. running down this road. And suddenly she sees a fire truck and she's able to get in. There's a bunch of firefighters in there and they can't go anywhere because people had abandoned their cars. So all these cars are lined up in the road with no one in them. So they can't go through. Nothing is moving. And this one firefighter who or this one guy who like saw what was doing, he grabbed a bulldozer and he went through in this insane fire, like right on this road where everything was burning. He gets in this bulldozer and he drives down the road and he starts tossing the cars out of the way and he clears the path for the fire truck and this like hero guy allows all these firefighters and that lady who evacuated the whole hospital to escape down that road and actually get out of the fire but like yeah so there were some people that just like the most amazing Uh heroism i could possibly imagine like going out in a bulldozer those have no like there's nothing to protect you in there (laughs) he just went out and he was like i'm just gonna someone has to do it and so then people started doing that and like getting these cars out of the road Mm -hmm. of people that abandoned them that was one of the ways they started to move things along Mm -hmm. so uh six hours after the campfire started it had already gone 17 miles past where it initially um went like where it initially started and it was it seriously is like we were talking about the beginning just it's like 10 a.m the sky is black and it's raining fire. Mm-hmm. Literally, that is the videos of it are one of the most horrifying things. I can't imagine. You know, it's mm-hmm. so terrifying. Yeah, like I said, it feels and like just, a like a horror movie. And it's just right there in your backyard, in your people you know God. are like sitting in their houses still. And also the thought that while you're trying to get out of the town you have to have the knowledge that everything that you know and like all your stuff and your house is burning down 
That's just so hard to think about. Like, I don't even want to think about it. It just sounds so terrible. I can't yeah. imagine anyone actually going through that. Something so preventable. I'm because preventable. PG&E need yeah, to because PG&E balance. just need to replace it. Money is not worth that. <sighs> I it's know. like just fix it. Literally. Just fix it. Yeah. So at 2:45 p.m., uh, the winds change direction, start to blow the fire south. So this is headed toward Oroville, which luckily they had uh, called for an evacuation order on it already. Mm-hmm. But there's like people that are uh, have injuries and like third degree burns because this fire moves in like the complete opposite direction of where it was going because it is just an insane fire. It's huge. Mm-hmm. And then by 4.45 p.m., um, a lot of people are starting to be able to actually make it down the ridge from in paradise and all these evacuation centers are like filling up way too quickly because of the amount of people who are fleeing this town like like i said it was like twenty-seven thousand people so you can imagine like probably at least maybe twenty-six thousand people fleeing this town it's absolutely crazy so these evacuation centers also were not prepared to hold the amount of people no one was prepared this just sounds so bad yeah so by the end of the day Concow is almost completely burned uh butte creek canyon is almost completely burned paradise is completely destroyed uh thousands of people are just completely displaced their homes have been burned down um no one really knows what's been burned and what hasn't who's alive who isn't and there's like hundreds of people that are just missing no one knows where anyone is so it's yeah it's basically just the end of the first day is a complete mess Mm -hmm. so then let's fast forward to november 9th okay so it's the next day one full day after the fire has started now the fire has burned twenty thousand acres that is crazy Mm -hmm. and they have found that um like thousands of structures including homes and schools and hospitals and other businesses have completely just been burned to the ground like there's absolutely nothing left so then at november november 10th basically what's happening is that just the fire is continuing to spread mm-hmm. and there it's like impossible to contain because it's so huge like and the winds are still really heavy like they have thousands of firefighters actually trying to put this thing out mm-hmm. but it's just so much ground to cover because it moved so fast they didn't have like as much time as they thought they would to watch the fire and be like okay let's put it out now and then we'll oh. put out the next part it was like oh it's here it's here it's here and then it's all the way south that and sucks. it's just there's not enough firefighters to put this thing out yeah i was literally like, right just away. about to ask like are people even trying to stop it at this point because yeah. it's moving so fast but honestly everything that they're doing obviously it doesn't seem like it helps because it was spreading so fast yeah it's, so. it's just this fire was insane mm-hmm. and so november 10th uh it has burned a hundred thousand acres and they estimate that just under ten thousand homes had been burned by this time Ten thousand wow. homes that's and how many days is that you said uh that's two literally two two days, days. and ten thousand homes are gone yeah wow. so then uh november 11th the campfire had officially they had been able to recognize that 42 people had been killed by the campfire oh. and that was three days after it happened and so after it had killed 42 people, it became the deadliest wildfire in California history. The other deadliest fire was in 1933. There was this fire called the Griffith Park Fire. Mm-hmm. And um, that killed, I think, just under 40 people. So 
there there was like clearly already more fatalities and it wasn't even that contained Mm -hmm. and not to mention there were still hundreds of people reported missing by their families like they had no idea where these people were so um november 13th is when the first survivors filed a lawsuit against pg e which i'm like yeah about time. yeah <laughs> do that please because like <laughs> they absolutely deserve it mm-hmm. and then november 14th pg e goes down there like well let's check this out let's see what actually happened and they find oh yeah there's actually things wrong with these electrical towers that we have oh. near where the campfire first ignited so mm-hmm. like this is definitely bad and not to mention at this point, um, health and human services, like the United States Health and Human Services is like, okay, yeah, the air quality here is just not a thing. This is a public <laughs> emergency because the air quality in these cities is so bad in Northern yeah, California. I mean, the skies are like black, but yeah. Mm-hmm. And so November 15th, there's uh, evacuees like living in emergency shelters and because of the fires and the poor air quality, they um there were like 24 people that got diagnosed with norovirus which is a virus that caused like intense vomiting and like diarrhea and all these horrible things so people are literally on top of losing their homes and possibly having missing family members and the air quality being crappy people are getting this highly contagious virus from being in these shelters and the air quality and things and it's highly contagious and all these people are oh, in the same and shelter. they're living together. Yeah. Okay. So, so it must just... have spread about as quickly as the fire, huh? Yeah. Really fast. And also on November 15th, they find that 63 people are dead because From of the, the campfire. Fire. Wow. So November 16th, we're quite a few days after this fire. We're like eight days after this fire. And it still has burned 146,000 acres and it's only 50% contained. Oh, my God. And it's still continuously growing. Yeah. 50% of it is just still over a week now. Yeah. You said. Wow. And I understand it's like terrible because the fire went so fast. It's like really hard for them to be able to, Mm -hmm. you know, like contain it. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's just continuing to get worse and worse. Like um, here's a, a fun fact. On November 16th, San Francisco and Sacramento and Stockton were named the most air polluted cities in the world oh my god in the world because of this fire because of the fire the air quality was so bad that it was worse than everywhere else in the world oh my god that is crazy that is really crazy that because when i think about that i'm like okay worse in the united states okay like a fire makes sense in the world the entire world you're telling me that in china where the pollution is so intense that people wear like face like masks face all the time all the time and yeah. our air quality was worse and than that we're just like breathing it straight on too yeah wow. not okay not it's definitely okay. not okay no so then on november 17th um they have ab- almost six thousand firefighters working to stop the campfire like it is all forces are on this right now as the death toll ri- has risen to 76 wow. and um that's the day that you probably saw that footage about like Donald Trump and Jerry Brown and like the director of FEMA and all these people went back to paradise because it had been contained in paradise and they like just walked through oh, like the I destruction. That. And yeah, I do like, that. yeah, it's just that's when people were actually able to. And in this PBS documentary that I watched and in this other, um, there's this girl in one of my classes uh, who her grandparents are from paradise. And so she made this like news segment going back and looking back like looking back at 
um, all the things that had happened. And she talked to these people who were like, yeah, it makes me sick to go back there and see everything burned down. Like, I can't even look at it. I wouldn't be able to either. That's so crazy to think about. Just like everything that you knew and like grew up with is just gone and destroyed now. Like that's hard to think about. In a day. You know? Yeah. Especially within a day. Wow. Like that's the thing is this is a man-made disaster because yeah, obviously like PG&E is partially the reason that like this uh-huh. faulty power line and all this happened. Mm-hmm. But it's just so crazy to think like nature can really just level an entire town in a day like a town of thirty thousand people gone in one day Natural like less than crazy. a day crazy mm-hmm. now quick quick break um from that i just have a quick question is this the same fire like did you did you hear about that story it was like an elderly couple and they camped out in a pool for like a day I didn't hear about that. I do remember hearing about a fire. I wasn't sure if it was specifically in paradise, but there was an elderly couple and I just remember reading about it. And I think I was probably, I was tearing up. I was definitely tearing up reading the article because it was just so heartbreaking. Like all that they had was their pool and like they were taking shelter in their pool to escape this fire. And I think the husband eventually like died of like suffocation because of the air quality But, like, just to think, like, people were camping out in pools trying to hold off from this fire for, like, a full day, and they still couldn't be safe. Like, a full 24 hours, and no one could, like, save them still. I don't know if it was this specific fire, but just, like, wildfires in general, like, they're just crazy. Yeah, that's insane. That's Uh heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. Really, that is terrible. Ugh. Yeah, it's just terrible. And it's almost, like... It's unsatisfying because you just think about there's no rhyme or reason to this. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's no re- this was 100 percent preventable. And like you could say that every true crime thing that we talk about is preventable, like a murder is preventable. But when you think about it, like this was actually preventable. Like mm-hmm. this was not no one wanted this to happen. You know, of like course. it's like no one randomly starts a fire. Like we literally like. I mean, I'm like, they could have just fixed it, you know? Yeah, but it's just like so unsatisfying because it's like this was not supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just really annoying. So um, on November 21st, we get in California kind of the first relief because uh, we start to get heavy rains. So the fire is starting to be put out really without that rain. I'm not sure what would have happened because Mm -hmm. it was four days later that they were able to 100% contain the fire. And a lot of that was because of Of those rains. And if those hadn't have come, like, Lord knows how much more of California would have gotten burned. That's so scary to think about. So how how much further south did it end up going? Um, So the campfire ended up, it burned 70,000 acres um, south and east of Paradise. Wow. So that's like... I think if I'm doing my math right, that's like 112 <laughs> miles. Wow. So California. Yeah. Absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. And they finally, so like I said, they reach 100% containment and they still have like thousands and thousands of people living in churches, in evacuation shelters. Like so many people have been displaced from their homes from this. Um, and they still have like close to 300 people who are reported missing in this fire. Mm-hmm. 
And in the end, 85 people were killed from the flames in the campfire. Uh, 67 of those people were from Paradise. And like I said, 70,000 acres were burned. Um, 18,800 buildings and homes were completely destroyed. And many people who aren't, who we don't even have exact statistics for, were sustained injuries or third degree burns trying to outrun this fire. So it's just like crazy because I didn't even realize when I think back to my own experience of seeing these ashes falling onto my car and like the sky turning yellow, you know, Mm -hmm. like I didn't even realize the suffering that was behind that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I still remember like being at school and watching the ashes fall down. I was like, oh, there's like probably a fire. I didn't realize how large it was until like actually reading about it later in articles and seeing photos and stuff like that like it's crazy how like all the way down here in like orange county like we can see the ashes like coming from way up north but we don't really realize like like the impact it's actually making up there yeah no it's absolutely insane Mm -hmm. and um pg&e actually went bankrupt because of this fire because they received a 38 billion i believe dollar lawsuit Uh, from the residents of Paradise and other victims of the fire. Oh my god! And I'm like, mm, not I that, that money could have went towards like fixing their lives. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> do you know how much less expensive it would have been to just replace your stuff? Yeah, yeah, definitely less expensive than going bankrupt. <laughs> yeah. And oh my gosh, the, on like another, it's kind of crazy because right now we still have like several fires burning, kind of like we talked about at the top. Mm-hmm. Um, a y- whole year later, like. We're still experiencing really bad fire seasons. We just had the Kincaid fire, which burned up north. We had the Getty fire. There's this other fire called like the, I think it's like the Barmut fire. And that's in the Hollywood Hills right now. Not even fully contained. Like, there's been like at least, really close. I'd say nine or ten fires that have happened this fire season. It's just like none as devastating as the campfire, obviously, but just... It's crazy that this is just the new norm for us, mm. these crazy, ins- insane fires. But no. um, on a bit of a lighter note, to end it <laughs> off, people in paradise, some are like really starting to rebuild their homes. Some are just completely moving away from the area. Mm. Some are obviously still dealing with the tragedy of what happened to them and uh, losing like everything. Mm-hmm. But there's some people who have really like come out to help the community after this has happened like there's this great organization um it's called like people it's called building tiny homes for the survivors of the campfire and it's this woman whose house actually burned down and now she started this organization where she and volunteers build tiny homes for people that lost their houses in the campfire and also in the kincaid fire and uh like the like state officials from california and stuff have looked at this organization and like supported it and it's just like a great show of people from paradise and people who experience tragedy themselves like trying to help other people and there's been a lot of that and even like when we're talking about the evacuation centers just like people being kind to other people and like supporting fellow californians and it's just like even though what happened is an absolute travesty it did like show how the community can really like band together in times of tragedy. Mm-hmm. So it's um people are still obviously like I said dealing with the tragedy of everything that happened. But um it has been almost exactly a year since the campfire. And it's still something that will go down in history, you know, deadliest wildfire wildfire in California history. 
deadliest since the 30s deadliest of all time so that is a story nothing is bad will happen because you know live and learn you know hopefully some people learned like a lesson from all of this and all these tragedies but it's really really great to hear that people are trying to make the best of it especially the woman who's making homes for other people who were there that's really that's really great to hear make light of a really bad situation you know Mm -hmm. yeah i just hope that like other communities in northern california in particular like small towns can take this moment to say like okay maybe our town our tiny town of less than thirty thousand people doesn't need more than a two-lane highway going in and out of town on a normal day but maybe it's worth spending the extra money in case a tragedy happens like it sometimes being prepared for an a fire or any type of disaster like it's costly and it can seem like oh we can just blow it off because what are the odds of it happening but it's better to just suck it up eat the cost and just be prepared because mm-hmm. uh better to spend a hundred million dollars than lose 85 people yeah you know those lives can't be bought back no exactly yeah. so definitely yeah but what are your f- overall final thoughts overall i feel like even though it was such a really bad tragedy and so bad to like think about and just really really terrible for all those citizens especially those of paradise I feel like it's a really big lesson that people can like kind of learn from and like take those mistakes I wouldn't say a lesson like oh lesson learned but like like a big mistake and fix like going back to fix those mistakes you know so now we can look back and see oh what was wrong here what can we fix for the future and even though it's it kind of sucks that we have to build from such a bad mistake such a bad tragedy but you know it's it's to make light of it it's really um what's the word I'm looking for unifying it's very unifying I would say I feel like uh the state of California really banded together and they're like oh this is something that we can take into account for the entire state because not only is NorCal like being affected by wildfires, like, like, like you said here, it can travel so fast, so quickly and so far. So I feel like it's kind of like a whole, I don't, yeah. I don't want to say lesson learned cause that's like, but it is, it is you know, it's kind of like, not like not learn from mean mistakes, way. learn, yeah. learning from your mistakes and just especially the people being able to make light of the situation. Yeah, I think that's really great to and be able honestly, to do like, that. I feel like just right now it's kind of an important topic to talk about because as there's more fires in Southern California near where we're from, it's like, what can, you know, like, what can I do to help people who are victims of fires mm-hmm. in my area? Because it could so easily be any one of us. Exactly. You know, so like, what can I do now that all these fires are kind of more here, not necessarily in Northern California? Like, what can we do to help our neighbors? Mm-hmm. You know? And I, I think I will try to find some sort of a charity for Southern California and I will post a link to it and I will donate some Patreon money or something like yes. that to the charity because that is just help your neighbor. Exactly. You know? Help thy neighbor. So I think on that note, it's time to transition to my favorite segment on this podcast. <laughs> Happy things. Oh, yay. <laughs> so basically, this is the part of the podcast where we put the negative behind us and we just talk about what's one good thing that happened in your week or one good thing that is going to happen in your week. Like next week or... Oh God, you're putting me on the spot. <laughs> I can go first if you want. 
<laughs> go first okay <laughs> my happy thing is that i okay so for my broadcast journalism class one of the things that we are supposed to do is make a segment about the wildfires which kind of what inspired me to do this episode and like make uh just this whole like little news segment about the fires and um try to interview someone so i actually reached out to Alyssa, the woman who owns that tiny homes charity and she responded to me and i'm gonna get to talk to her on skype and i will put part of my interview with her into next week's episode as kind of a little update on this but um i'm going to luckily be able to talk to her about um the fires and what people can do to help other other people around them so i'm very very i'm excited to talk to her because she is a very inspiring person and like i mean it's just such like i want to i aspire to be that kind of selfless where after my home is burned down i can look around and instead of focusing on what's happened to me be like how can i help someone else you know like that's i feel like we could all aspire to be a little bit more like Alyssa. so exactly i will be putting in part of that interview as a little update maybe i'll post it as like a separate thing like just my whole interview with her so mm, yeah definitely. i can put that up there that's so, so stay tuned I for that to hear that yeah tiffany <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh my god i gotta think about this one what about mm. something about oh school something about school oh <laughs> tbh <laughs> i got some midterms coming up so oh. that's not too much of a happy thing <laughs> let me think oh my god you got gigs coming up I do. I have some gigs coming up. Yeah, yeah. So um, for those who are listening to this and don't know, I do sing and I'm a musician. And play piano. She's amazing. Yes, ma'am. I <laughs> um, Music is my passion. It's what I really want to do in life. So as I'm going through college, I'm trying to get out there and try to, you know, play some gigs. So I have a few gigs coming up, which is really exciting. That is I awesome. wrote a song. I finally finished yes. a new song. She has an amazing song called Between the Skies. <laughs> Look it up. Between the skies, <laughs> Tiffany Between Dennis. Between the skies. Apparently, it's kind of catchy. Emma it's literally that. in my head. It was stuck in her head before this. I, <laughs> guys, literally, it'll get stuck in your head, and you'll have it in your head for a year. Oh, my goodness. Don't worry, guys. I'll come up with some better tunes soon. Don't worry. But yeah, so we, yeah, we need so. more Tiffany Dennis content. <laughs> but Aww. that's a good one. That's a good happy I thing. I love you, Emma. Oh, my God. Oh, I love you, too. I'm going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think we're going to end the podcast right there. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the Horrible Things podcast. It was a much um, more sincere one, I think, than some of the other ones we've done in the past. But you know what? I really like that. It's good sometimes to be sincere with you guys. It's good to be sincere with the audience. So if you guys want more Horrible Things content, you can find us online everywhere at Horrible Things Podcast. If you like what you're listening to, you can find us online and become a patron at patreon.com slash horrible things. Or we would really appreciate it if you would leave a rate and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get found by more people who also want to listen to some horrible things, guys. But most importantly, just thank you so much for listening and for telling your friends, your neighbors, your parents, your grandparents, your dog, all about this podcast. I think that I would definitely not recommend telling your cat about it, though, because they might not like it. Like my cat that ate Tiffany's earbuds before literally we started recording this. Freaking earbuds. Literally, my cat's cat, okay. Yeah, me too. Where did they go? I don't know. Who knows? I pulled the earbuds out and just the tops of them with, with the part you put in your ear 
just gone completely severed from the actual cord so don't tell your cat about this podcast but tell (laughs) everyone else and most importantly make sure to love your neighbor and just be there for each other guys treat people with kindness and pg&e replace those damn power lines and most importantly don't don't do horrible things. things